in verse 28, uh, Jesus uh, used is rather, the rather um, in, in original language, it means also, it means uh, on the contrary. So Jesus is uh, contrasting between two ideas. I mean, uh, more specifically saying two blessings. The woman blessed uh, Jesus, but Jesus said somebody else is more blessed. And the one uh, Jesus pointed out as uh, to be blessed is the one who hear the word of God and keep it. Uh, so there is a contrast between the blessings and also uh, those who are blessed. So um, what is the, I mean, my question is, what is the a point of contrast here, do you think? Um, one of the things that comes to my mind when I read this is I, I thought about women, women in ancient culture. And to, to many in ancient culture, for women, the, the number one key to happiness would have been to have children and, and even on top of that to have good children like Jesus would have been. And so uh, this to me slaps me in the face. Now, modern culture and thinking about what do I think or what do you think the key to happiness is for you? And Jesus seems to be saying that Whatever you think that is, it doesn't compare to the, the spiritual blessedness, the true blessedness that comes from hearing my word and keeping it. So I, and I, I might have more to say on this topic, but that's one thing that comes to my mind. When I look at this, uh, it's almost, if you're not understanding what Jesus is saying here, it's almost as if he is um, getting on to her for what she has said. And, and it sounds, why would Jesus do that? She has said something that is really kind to say. I, I've, sometimes when I read this uh, growing up, I was like, why would he say, rather, you should do this? And Because I feel like that's something I would say to Jesus, you know, out of adoration for who he is and after what he has done in the context of this text here. Uh, she simply is just moved to the point of saying, blessed is not only all of us, not only you, but even your mother is blessed for having a child like you. And I, I think it's an amazing thing the woman says. And so why does Jesus kind of uh, turn it on her face and, and say something totally uh, different or try to change it? And I think it's because of, of what Jesus is trying to do and, and the contrast between the two different blessings. You see, one blessing is given out of a statement of faith. And the woman's blessing is that, is, is she believes that Jesus really is the Christ. I believe she believes that Jesus truly is the Messiah, and that statement of faith is amazing. But Jesus turns it around and says, how much greater is a statement of deed and a statement of faith that leads to action? Because that's what he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And that's not to minimize what the woman has said. Again, a, a, an amazing statement of faith like this is, is great, and we should all have statements of faith like this. But if it is not followed with action and with deed, then what good does the statement of faith do? 
In fact, it does absolutely nothing. Jesus is trying to remind her that it is far more blessed to not only say something like that, but to allow that kind of statement to change, fundamentally shift your life in the way that you act, in, the, in, the, in this conduct that you have in everyday life. Uh, again, this statement's amazing from the woman, but I think he's trying to ask her and trying to remind her, hey, is this something that you believe, or is this something that is going to cause you to change your life through action? You know, I sit there, we always, in our, in our modern culture, I think we find it a little bit, this is like how I was processing this. We find it a little bit difficult to imagine, like, worship in the sense of if Jesus is standing there, like, like literally crying out, you know, like, falling down on our face because we're in so awe of who he is. Um, and I really, as I read this, I kind of look at this woman and think, like, this is almost a moment of, of adoration and worship. You know, she can't help it. She's, she's in this moment looking at Jesus and saying, you, you are so magnificent that I must bless the one who brought you into this world. Like, how blessed your mother must be. Um, and, and just that, that beautiful moment of worship. And I love how Jesus, as you were talking, Mingu, to, to contrast, looks at it and says, you are worshiping me. This is great. But, but look at the other side. You think that it, it, my mother is blessed? Do you realize what you are when you choose to follow me? You know, like... Like, my mother has good things, but you get to be an heir with me if you follow my, my words. And I think that is that's just the beautiful side of this blessing that he kind of flips on the head and says, you can worship here, but there is a major blessing that comes when you choose to be uh, a follower of mine. Yeah, um, Ben Hogan, you talked about just higher degrees of blessedness, and, and Jesus himself admits that. He's the one who says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Receiving is blessed. But, but giving is more blessed. And, and that's what I see here. There's, there's a higher blessedness Jesus is mentioning. Uh, I think it's C.S. Lewis that talks about we're just like kids who think it's like all that to play around in the sandbox uh, because we've never, ever experienced the awesomeness of the beach before. Um, and that's the way we are. We, we, we settle for the happiness of earthly things, never, ever realizing the true blessedness that comes from spiritual things. And one other thing I would add, too, is that Every time Jesus' family seems to get brought up, uh, he always calls this out. Like when, uh, when the brothers and the mother came, they said, here are your mother and brothers. He said, no, no my, my mother, my brother, my sister is the one who does the will of God. It's the same idea. So mm -hmm. it seems to me he's saying, look, uh, being part of my spiritual family by doing the will of my father is, is the true blessedness. Yeah. And Craig, you, you brought the point of, of happiness and I just want to mention, whenever we see the word blessed or mm. blessedness or, or blessed, that is that word, happy are those, if you look into the original language. And so this true happiness that you're talking about comes from not only hearing the word, but keeping the word. And, and that, that should be our source of true happiness, mm. uh, not, not only just uh, something that we do, but something that we derive our purpose and our joy from is from keeping the word of God. Okay. Um, I wondered why Jesus uh, kind of, you know, uh, watered down the, you know, blessing of the woman, I mean, the lady who really, even like worshiping him, uh, said something like that. But 
I think there is a point that I want to, I really want to uh, point out. It is that Jesus is saying, Jesus is teaching these things. Jesus is teaching the word of God. I mean, Jesus knows that uh, what he says is the word of God. But Jesus points out, I think, Jesus really wants to point out, you know, hearing the word of God and doing it and keeping it is much, much, much more important than teaching it and saying it. So in the context, we have a lot of, you know, hypocritical people in Jesus' time who was really, really, uh, you know, uh, much into teaching, saying, and judging, and, and, and all things they do, they did was by mouth. But Jesus is here, here Jesus is saying that, you know, if you hear the word of God and keep it, you will be more blessed than those who are, you are respecting or you are following now, like Pharisees and scribes. I mean, in my view, there is a, a one, one, one uh, point of contrast here too. And, and let's go uh, on to the second uh, question. As I uh, studied this uh, passage, I, you know, almost automatically um, reminded of, I mean, remind myself of uh, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, which says that, you know, hearing comes, uh, I mean, faith comes from the hearing, uh, hearing the word of God. And the verse doesn't include keeping it or doing the word of God. So I would like to hear from you, from you guys, uh, what would you, would you say about that? Why not there is the hearing part in Romans chapter 10, verse 17? And also, um, there, we know there are some people who believe that faith only, I mean, faith only can save a person. So in regard uh, with that too, uh, I would like to hear what you say. Well, you know, you say some people. I, I, would, I would even venture to say that most people in Christianity in a broad spectrum uh, would preach a doctrine of faith only or faith is more important than works. And so uh, it's not just some. I would say most of the people that we interact with uh, in our everyday life, believe this, that faith is all that it takes, and uh, you say this prayer here, or, or you, you, you just believe in Jesus, and that's all that it takes, and uh, what does that say about what Jesus tells this woman? It's the very opposite of what we see from his own words right here in the book of Luke, but the reason why that is taught, I, I, I don't know, because I've never believed that. Uh, having the blessing of, of being in the church and, and being taught differently. I've never believed that, but I think it would have to be because it is a whole lot easier to live your life on faith than to live your life on action. It's a whole lot easier to base your life on a statement of faith like this woman than to base your life on how Jesus says to not only hear the word but to keep it. Uh, I think it is it's definitely easier to hold on to a faith by word instead of a faith by action. Uh, and this, maybe this phrase is outdated, but it's way easier to talk the talk than to walk the walk, right? And, and that's what I think we're seeing in, in our culture today, and I think it's true even among 
us right here tonight that a lot of us struggle with, with actually walking the walk. It's easy to, to talk the talk and to come across as if you, you are right and to say things that, that make you sound right, but it's a whole lot harder uh, to actually be that. And it, it reminds me of these, these yahoos on TV every day, that, especially sports television. Uh, sports television, you have all these guys who have never picked up a ball in their life that have all these opinions, right? They have all these opinions on how this player should do this and, and this player should do this. And if, if this player would just do this, he would be so much better or she would be so much better. And, and we want to compare different players to different players. And, and, and it's easy to talk sports. You know what it's a whole lot harder to do? To pick up the ball and do it. And I just wish one of these days that Skip Bayless, you know, uh, uh, Stephen A. Smith, and some of these guys could actually get a ball and show us just what you're talking about, guys. Just show us what you're talking about. And, and how long would they last? Well, they wouldn't last two seconds, right? They wouldn't last uh, two seconds on the actual court, but they're going to make their livelihood talking about it. And, and sadly, that's what a lot of Christians do too, though. They can talk the talk and they can quote scripture maybe better than anyone in this room. Hopefully not. But I've met them. But walking the walk is a whole nother story. And just quickly, I'm sorry. It, it, it isn't enough to make a statement of faith if it is not accompanied with action and works that, that come from that faith. It isn't enough to say, hey, I go to Buford Church of Christ to your coworkers and your neighbors and, and your classmates at school. It isn't enough to say, hey, I go to Buford Church of Christ. Instead of saying you go to Buford Church of Christ, show them that you go to Buford Church of Christ. Show them by your action and show them by your conduct and show them by the words that you choose that you go to Buford Church of Christ. It isn't enough uh, to know what is right if you don't follow it up by doing what is right. That knowledge is useless. That knowledge is nothing. And I know tonight we're talking about the difference between faith and works, and I know that's a very fundamental discussion. It's a very f foundational discussion, the idea of faith and, and works. But understand that this is something that every one of us struggle with because there are two extremes. The same way there is an extreme of, of faith only, there's also an extreme of meritorious salvation. It's a big one. Meritorious is you've merited. You, you've earned your salvation through works. And so I think this is a discussion every one of us need to have because a lot of times we find ourselves on either side of the spectrum. And what Jesus is saying is, is reminding this woman how important it is to have that in the right balance, but also how important it is to not only hear the word but keep it. Uh, I, I love your thoughts. Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith must have been talking trash about LeBron for you to attack them from up hey, here. For the record, I didn't use his name, guys. <laughs> um, I, I want to follow this up, and, and, and just quickly, when I sit here and, and think about this, and I think about the passage in, in, in Romans 10, and I think about this, and, and think about the idea of faith altogether, I think that when you look at the context of what Romans 10 has been built to, 
You know, if, if you go read Romans 1 through 10, 16, it builds to this, this moment where you can read this passage about hearing. Um, faith comes by hearing. And, and I think if you read the passage up to this point, when Jesus is going to state this, it's a very big moment where he's, he's in this big discussion on, on faith and, and some have faith and, and do you believe that God is the one casting out demons and things like that. Um, I, I, would, I would challenge this idea of saying uh, faith or works being more significant. I struggle to look at the idea of faith in most situations and, and see anyone who can exist with true faith and not have works. Um, now, let me, let me back up a little bit, because I think that there are definitely moments of weakness uh, for all, and I, I think that there are probably definitely moments of uh, when you're in pain and sorrow that it is, in some points in your, your faith, it's just hard to wake up and live for Christ, but you know that he's there. Um, but I would say that a, a true faith, um, in the sense of what Scripture is going to consistently talk about, is a faith that doesn't have the option of, of being without works. I think that it's very much a, and I'm not saying like it's a, it's a works versus faith. I think like they're combined in this beautiful, almost a matrimony of, hey, when I'm a Christ follower, if I have faith, well, it's, it's more than, faith is, faith is a verb in the same way uh, that works could be a verb. So that, that's how I, I process this idea of saying, what is more significant? Well, I hand in hand, they work together in a beautiful way. Um, yeah, one of the things I, I shared with our Young Families class a few months ago is that I think uh, we in the West have a complete misunderstanding of the word faith, that we're really messed up. Um, uh, and the reason I say that is because religion to us in the West is, is a very intellectual, scholastic thing. But in the East, religion is a very experiential, experience-related thing. Um, like, I mean, just let me just give you an example, like the word no, yada, K-N-O-W, no and yada in Hebrew. Um, you scan through the Old Testament, you start to realize that word has a lot more to do with than what goes on up here. Like, for example, when um, Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac and is stopped, uh, now I know that you fear God. Now I know that you fear God, God declares. God, you didn't know this before? It says, now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your only son, Isaac. Um, mm -hmm. he, he experienced that, and so that connected with that word no. And, and so in the same way, what I'm trying to say, I could talk about this for hours on end probably, is that we think faith is a, a sit-in-a-classroom acquired thing, and it's limited to that, that it only takes place in the mind. But to someone to whom the Bible was written, the word faith would have meant a whole lot more, and wrapped in that would have included works. So I'd agree completely with what's been shared. This is a, this is a package deal, and um, I think we'd be more effective at sharing people who are, fall into the faith-only camp if we said, you know what, I, I agree with you completely. We are saved by grace through faith only. But my understanding of faith, what I believe the Bible teaches about faith, is different than what I think you've been taught or what you believe. Let's, let's sit down and look at it. And I think that would be probably more effective than uh, some of our other approaches. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and you know, um, in the Old Testament, we uh, found the reasons why uh, North, Northern Kingdom and uh, Southern uh, Judah Kingdom of Judah, uh, you know, uh, were punished. 
and uh, for example, uh, about the <clears throat> Northern Kingdom, Second uh, Kings uh, verse, uh, chapter 18, verse 12 says, because you did not listen to the voice of the Lord. And uh, about the you know, Southern Kingdom, Jeremiah chapter uh, 40, uh, verse 2 says also the same thing, because you didn't listen to the voice of the Lord. So uh, here we uh, have some kind of idea that, you know, listening, I mean, Romans chapter 10, verse 18 uses the word listening or uh, hearing, mm -hmm. but it is not only hearing, and, and faith is not only just intellectual belief or acknowledgement, but it is much more than the surface. So I, I agree with that. Uh, one other thing I would like to point out before we go to the next question is that uh, the way how the Bible uh, uses the word faith, one of the ways that Bible uses the word faith is a kind of representative term of the whole process, I mean, not process, but whole uh, responses that we have to have to be saved. We have to believe, we have to hear, we have to believe, we have to repent, we have to confess, we have to be baptized, we have to be faithful. But as a whole, sometimes the Bible uses faith. You have to believe in God. Like, uh, you know, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, you know, things like that. So, uh, you know, like, as I said, as I asked Bradley, you know, how many heads do you have nowadays? Then he will say that, I mean, I'm talking about his cows and, you know, 18 or 20 heads. Head is not just head. Does it, does I, uh, do I mean that he has, he is collecting the heads of cows? No. The head means the whole cow. So it's like that. You know, some word represents the whole thing. Uh, so, you know, we don't have to build up uh, too much on some words in Bible out of the context. That's one of the things that we have to be very careful about is faith, the word faith. Okay, let's go on to the next question. I mean, I think uh, this would bring up a lot of uh, discussion. Uh, we know the Bible teaches us to do God's words instead of merely hearing them. So uh, please give us the occasions when the word of God teaches about doing empirically, and tell us why doing is so important according to the scripture. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in first here, and I'm gonna I took a little bit of creative liberty with this question um, because I feel like we could we could go pretty consistently and be like, all right, here's an opportunity, or here's where it like is like, hey, do this, do this. Um, I, I one thing that stands out to me when I think about like that has changed maybe my perspective on faith and and has made me process why doing is so important is thinking about these faith heroes and, and their calls to faith and like if they didn't do those things. I, like for example, Abraham. If we were to sit there and, and we've already brought up Abraham, phenomenal faithful individual. Uh, but imagine God looks at him and says, Abraham, I want you to leave the family you've known, take your family, take your livestock. I'm going to move you to a new place. I know you can't have kids, but you're going to be a nation of, of the sand on the seashore, and you're going to be an amazing individual. And Abraham said, hey, 
I had a God talk to me. That's pretty cool. Guess what? I'll worship you, but I'm going to stay right here. That sounds good. And uh, maybe we'll catch up another time. Like, you know, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a moment of faith. That's, that's pretty funny. Or if Noah did the same thing and said, um, you're going to send a flood. I'll probably be dead by then. That's in over 100 years. So I'm not going to build a boat. We're good. Like, it's a very funny concept to imagine these individuals of of faith, our faith heroes kicking back and just saying, I'm good, I don't need to do, I don't need to do anything. Um, and so that to me is, is when I think about these occasions of faith, uh, that, that came to my mind pretty quickly to say, okay, that is uh, individuals without faith or without the action is, is kind of a funny, a funny faith. It's not, it doesn't seem real. And so I, uh, th- that, that's how I process that. That's a great, great point. You know, we've talked about this many times on the round table before about you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and this, this hall of faith, this, these heroes of faith and how every single one of them, by faith, Noah prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed. And down the list you go and every single one of them, that faith is accompanied by an action verb, an action, a deed, a work that that person did to live out that faith. That's a quick point there, but... I find it impossible for us to talk about the relationship between faith and works and not go to the book of James. If you're looking for explicit passages about this, uh, the book of James is, is perhaps the most powerful uh, discussion we could have on the relationship between faith and works, and it starts in chapter 1 and verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then go ahead to chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse 14, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Skip down to verse 19. You believe that there is a God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And then chapter 2. Uh, 2 verse 24 you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only verse 26 for as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also and so every one of these verses right here in the book of James explicitly goes against this idea of faith alone or, or justification by faith only it's not enough to have faith if it is not accompanied by works And so that's exactly what James talks about. And we see it all throughout the New Testament in Jesus' teachings. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then he goes on to talk about how there will be people who have cast out demons and done many wonders in his name. And he will look to them and say, I never knew you. Depart from me. And then uh, uh, another example, Ephesians chapter 2. You can look at Ephesians chapter 2 and this idea that a lot of people in Christianity go to. It's a phenomenal verse. It's a, it's, it's a verse that every single one in this room should believe and should, should hold near and dear. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works lest anyone should boast. And so you hear that, and it's like, see, it's not about works. It's not about works. It, it's, it, I don't have to do anything. All it is is about grace and faith. 
But what does he say right after that? Because we have grace, because we have been given this gift of grace, what should that produce? Verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so you look at this passage, and every single time you investigate the whole of the Scripture, it's going to have this relationship between faith and works that we've been talking about all night. It, it is a relationship, and you cannot have one without the other. Um. Have you guys ever had somebody come up to you, a guy come up to you and say, hey, I'm getting married to my sister, would you do the wedding? Have any of y'all had that happen? Okay. I mean, I've never lived in Tennessee, so I haven't either. But, um, you had an Alabama opportunity right here. I know. Kyle is not here. There will be flip. no Alabama it jokes. Flip. It was a coin flip. Uh, but I would imagine like back, back in, during the time of Moses and after that, that there, there, there may have been some guys that wanted to marry their sister. Uh, or there may have been some people who wanted to hang out around dead bodies a lot. And God said, don't do that stuff. And they'd have been like, that doesn't make any sense. Why can't I do that? Why can't I marry my sister? Why, what's so, and we now, after the fact, have come to learn, okay, you, intermarriage is going to cause some genetic issues. Or you hang around around dead stuff and you're asking for all kinds of health trouble. All right? Like, we get it now after the fact. And, and I think that's the way it comes with so much of the, when we obey, and that, that comes to, if we're kids here, if you're kids, obeying your parents, um, us when it comes to obeying the Lord, that eventually along the, the way, somewhere along the way, we realize, okay, wait a minute, that wasn't just some random dictator-like commandment, this was for my own good. And, and so the text that comes to my mind is John 8. Um, Andrew shared this in class, in our young families class this morning, John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, and I think, I think abide uh, means a lot more than just hearing. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, not fakers. You are my disciples indeed, real deal. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I love that. And you will know the truth. Uh, it's one of those things that when we obey we, we, that's when we, we taste and we see that the Lord is good. Again, going back to that word, ex, we experience it. And that's, I found that to be so true. My life is a testimony of that, that when, when I've obeyed God, he has proven time and time and again that his commandments were the best way to live life. And um, I believe that that's verified with what Jesus is saying here too. Okay. Um, I would like to add one more verse, you know, uh, from John chapter 8, verse 29, is 29. Um, as I mentioned, I, I view that Jesus is contrasting between the teachers and the hearers and those doers of the word. And Jesus very humbly uh, positions himself to that kind of, uh, you know, principle, uh, uh, to the principle. And he says that uh, in the second second sentence, uh, he has not left me alone. I mean, God has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. In other words, he focuses on do the things. I mean, Jesus pointing out that, you know, because he does the things of God, God is pleased with him. So Jesus is saying that, you know, doing is so important. Without doing the word of God, we are nothing. And, and, and 
nothing, I mean, nothing can be good. For example, I mean, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 is very important. I think chapter 5, verse 1 is also important. It says, be imitators of God. Did God uh, just a believer? <laughs> I mean, is God uh, uh, just a believer? No, he's a doer. He created the world. He loved us. He loves us, and he sent his son to us, and, you know, he taught us. He gave his, you know, words to us. He does so, you know, everything for us. So he is the doer, and if we uh, are imitators of God, we have to do also. And one of the things that I think uh, doing is so important uh, is uh, because of the judgment. You know, judgment, the final judgment, is according to what we have done in the body. We have done in the body. The final judgment is not according to what we believed, but we have done in the body. You know, you know the verses, Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, and, and Romans chapter 2, verse 6, and uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, but the one that I would like to point out is Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. It says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. Uh, I think it is the Bible. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. That's why doing what we do in our body, what we do according to the will of God, is so important. It's not just an you know, optional thing, but it is, it is necessary thing for us to be saved, for us to attain the final you know, salvation. So um, that's why I think it is so important. And, Let's go to the last question. Um, this is the area that I am struggling, so I would like to uh, get some wisdom and uh, encouragement from you. And, and if there is anything, you know, if you want to share, I would like to hear it. Uh, the question is, is there any word of God or an aspect of it you or we fail to keep more often than others? Why is that so with you or us? And what strategy do you want to suggest not to get into the failure again? So, um, really good question. And we, this could take such a long time to answer. I, this whole study reminds, reminds me of how, how reliant we are on the grace of God. Um, and this question does as well. So I want to make sure we express praise to God for his grace. And, and then I guess I would also add this. I would say that I, I thought about, I have difficulty loving God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, um, trusting in him. I have difficulty loving others. I, I have difficulty not judging others. Um, and just thinking about all these things, and I, I thought back to one part of Jesus' ministry when the apostles had difficulty doing something, and that was, was casting out a demon. And Jesus said that this kind can only be driven out by prayer and fasting. 
Uh, it came down basically to a lack of faith, but the reason they had a lack of faith and they couldn't do, the reason they couldn't do is because they hadn't devoted themselves to spiritual disciplines. And so, like, for me, when I think about all these places where I lack, loving God, trusting God, loving others, uh, judging others, um, encouraging others, I just think about spiritual disciplines like prayer, like fasting, like confession, neglect of these things, no wonder I'm having difficulty doing this other tough stuff because I'm neglecting the vegetables, the, the, the good diet of a Christian. And so uh, I think that's one of the things I was reminded of when I thought about the study is devotion to spiritual disciplines, um, the private spiritual disciplines, some of them, is important. Yeah, I, I struggle with this one uh, because, because there are obviously a lot of things that, they're gonna, and like you said, Craig, I, we, I wish you had more time to, to walk through all this, but um, for me, fighting this idea of temptation, because for all of us in this room, we're all going to have these different things that we're going to struggle with. Um, you asked for, like, how can we fight these things. Uh, for me, I've found, and this is like a weird one, and I kind of expressed it to, to a couple of you guys the other day, but like the Lord's Supper has changed my entire spirituality or my, my entire ability to fight sin. Um, the idea of coming to a table with Jesus once a week and having to uh, essentially look him in the eyes and say, hey, Jesus, I cheated on you this week. Not a fun concept. Um, so every single week when I sit there and, and say, okay, I'm going to commune with Jesus, it's a time for me to sit down and, and have that moment of recommitment, right? That new covenant in the blood that he brings up. This idea of saying, okay, when I, when I take that fruit of the vine, it is me telling, saying, okay, I'm making a new covenant. I'm renewing my wedding vow to Jesus in that moment. Um, now, has that been... Always successful, absolutely not. I'm still uh, a constant sinner, but I will assure you that that for me personally, that has been one of those spiritual disciplines yeah, right. that has that has totally turned my life around and how I've been able to approach fighting sin in my everyday life. You know, if, if you say you have no sin or that mm. you have not sinned, you deceive yourself, and the truth's not in you. So to sit up here and say that, you know, after a lesson of Keep the word, keep the word, do the word, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. You're looking at a panel full of people, a round table full of people that don't keep the word. And while that may come across as hypocritical, it's, it's honest. Because we are not perfect. That's why we needed Jesus too. Uh, and so we, you know, as Paul said, we are chief of sinners. So to look at us up here is not to say that we're, we're the perfect ones. It's to look at us and say we are the ones that know we need God's grace, yeah. as Craig talks about. But <clears throat> when, I, when I think about this question, I think, you know, what I struggle with, there are going to be a ton of people in this room that don't struggle with that. Um, and that's because our temptations are each uniquely different. Uh, the Bible tells us that each one is tempted when he is tempted by, each one is enticed when he's tempted by his own desires. And so your desires are going to be different than my desires, and your struggles are different than my struggles, and I can only uh, speak to, for me, what has helped me in my past and, and what I have gone through in, in my life. But what can be crippling for you, 
I may not have an issue with it at all. For instance, I mean, I, I know those, uh, there are people in my life that have been absolutely ravaged by alcoholism. I've never been tempted one time to take one, sim one single drink or drugs or, or anything like that. I, I've never been tempted to do that, but I know that that is a serious temptation for people in this room tonight and, and people in our everyday life. Does that make that temptation any less serious or any less strong or any less severe than what I'm tempted by? Absolutely not. And so I think the, the key thing is to identify what you struggle with instead of thinking about I can't believe that they struggle with that. What do you struggle with? Identify that. Think about that. Be honest with yourself. And then you're able to grow as a Christian. And so I just wanted to say that. But when, when we think about all of our struggles, regardless of how serious they may be or how different they may be or how various they are, Mingo, you asked for a strategy, and I can't think of one better that can get every single one of us than Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The writer says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Mm -hmm the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so whatever that sin is that easily ensnares you or easily besets you or, or has these chains around you, if you're ever going to be able to lay it down, it's because you're looking at Jesus. And so the strategy that, that I would say has helped me in my past and, and I would give to anyone is to look unto Jesus because Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith Jesus is the one who did all the things that we or has gone through all the things that we struggle with yet without sin and so tonight whatever you struggle with whatever sin that is easily ensnaring you or besetting you Every single one of us can come to the same Jesus and look to the same Jesus for an answer. Yeah, and just one more thing, 15 seconds. I think it's appropriate to go back to the text, our main text with what we started. We're missing out big time. We are missing out big time if we're not keeping the word of God. And maybe that's the thing to remember. There's, there's awesome blessedness, awesome happiness, awesome joy, peace that all comes from keeping his word. So maybe we need to remember that better. Um, <clears throat> if I share my, you know, weaknesses and failures, you know, you have to stay here for a long time, so I want to <laughs> do that. But, you know, I'm not saying that I don't have anyone, but I have a lot. But uh, here, I think the, you know, one of the strategies is that we, 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 can, we can have, we all have is our brothers and sisters, our leaders, our, you know, ministers, and, and, and you know, our you know, us, we, we are together to overcome those weaknesses and failures. And we don't point fingers to each other. We love each other. We understand each other. And we are willing to help each other so that we can grow. So, you know, please believe that. And, 
And one of the things that we have to do is to repent. And like Ben pointed out, you know, we have to confess our sins. We have to acknowledge that we are sinners and we have to repent before God. And, and he gives us the way to get out of the sin and to grow up, to grow out of the sins. So, so we have to be, we have to have a penitent heart. So I would like to, uh, I would like you to think about that. Okay, uh, that was a great, uh, you know, discussion, and I would like to uh, close with a prayer. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thanks so much for this opportunity for us to get together and study your word and, and share our thoughts and ideas uh, about your word. Um, we learned that uh, we have to do your word, and we have to... Uh, practice it in our lives, and we have to live according to your word, and please help us to be strong and uh, courageous to uh, do all things according to your will, and please help us to remember, uh, like Brother Craig pointed out, that, you know, the most uh, greatest happiness would come to us as we as we follow your word, as we do your word. I mean, there is no other way that we can be so happy uh, as you uh, want us to be happy. So please let us learn that doing your word is the only way for us to get to the, the greatest happiness that you prepared for us. Thank you for Jesus uh, who uh, sacrificed himself for us. And in other words, he did uh, the will of God, so that we can be saved by his deeds. So uh, we are followers of him. Please help us uh, to be more faithful followers of Jesus, uh, to, even to that. In Jesus' pray. Uh, Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.